Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Craft and Draft video slash podcast. If you're hearing the audio of this, then you are hearing just half of the experience. We have video going right now. This is going to be a bonus training video for our Patreon supporters. They're going to be getting the video. They're going to be getting the links in this presentation. They're going to be getting all of that wonderful stuff over there on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash craft and draft. You can also find that link at craftsdraftworkshop.com. We do this for our listener plus tier. So they're going to be jumping into this, having all the resources for this access to us to ask any questions and of course the video. But if you're hearing this on audio, I'm sure you're going to get something out of it as well as the regular podcast. But if you listen to this and you're like, man, I really want more, jump over there to the Patreon page and then support us for a little bit. You can get access to this as well as so many other videos, bonus podcasts, and so much more. A lot of value over there. Jump over there if you need to get ready for the new year. I promise you it's the PD that you need if you are into reading and writing workshop. But today, Ocho is going to be driving a lot of this ship. I'm going to be jumping in kind of as a host slash conversational guest. <laughs> and we're going to be going through this as Ochoa talks about activating authors, mentor text and ideas, essentially using mentor text to teach fiction. This is, as she's going to explain here in a minute, a presentation that she did a while ago that she revamped recently at a request of somebody. Um, so we're going to be diving into this, learning a lot and seeing where we end up by the end of this discussion. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Craft and Draft. Already Miss Ochoa. You are the captain of our ship today. Take us wherever you want us to go. I don't know. I'm kidding. Well, yeah, exactly what you said. This was uh, a presentation that apparently I'd even forgotten that I had done and I had to go find it. Uh, but somebody had gotten a hold of uh, a friend who said, hey, uh, somebody told me that uh, that that they went to one of your presentations a long time ago and was the one done in Fort Worth. If you remember that, well, I'd only presented at Fort Worth twice. So I knew it was one of those, but anyway, I found this in a box. So I recreated it. Um, didn't really have a PowerPoint on it. Couldn't find the PowerPoint, but so I had to recreate the PowerPoint, but I had all the handouts. So anyway, it was uh, somebody who remembered it and wanted, uh, wanted me to redo it. And so, it was kind of neat just to have somebody remember something I did from uh, 2017. So about six or seven years ago, six years ago, I guess. All right. So anyway, I revised it. You can see when I did. All right. So activating authors and mentor texts and ideas and the way that it was the the person, not the participant goes, you were, I, you did something on fiction and I never really remember doing anything on fiction. And so when I found this, I sent it to them and they said, yeah, this is it. But, um, but anyway, it helped him. He said it helped him teach his kids how to write fiction. And so that's what, so I said, okay, well, let's see how it goes. So here we go. And, yeah. uh, I did it such a long time ago. So when I first presented it, um, you know, we have these, I went and, uh, used these particular, uh, articles to help support, uh, what I wanted to say about uh, mentor text. So those are some extra readings about mentor text and how to use them that I found to support my, my thinking. Um, so when we first started this, I, I kind of just, when I presented it, I, I, I felt like 
we have students from all different levels, right? And of course, all and of course, I was teaching from K through 12. So uh, I would even use nursery rhymes and things like that with my seventh graders. So I, I usually sometimes start off with nursery rhymes to kind of because, because a lot of them have a very simple plot. And so it's real easy to teach how, how the elements of a story using those. And so uh, and then uh, talking about, you know, like what is a resolution and 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 the fact that not all problems get solved. And so uh, so these are some examples of things that I've used for different lessons. So there are certain things uh, that I wanted to use. So like if you're just looking at this, just reading it is well-known nursery rhymes that are told in story forms uh, are types of text you can use. You can use picture books. I use those all the time. You know that. Um, as a matter of fact, I had a, a a luncheon with a friend who was uh, kind of asking me some questions. They finally got they got their uh, classroom, and and I was giving them some Patricia Polacco. Uh, those are always great books to teach reading and uh, to teach the excitement of reading, especially with elementary students. Um, of course, you know we use novels in the classroom. We've all talked about that. Uh, I probably use them a little more extensively, I think, than you do. I think you use more of the self-selected. Uh, Jacob, I could be wrong, but I uh, included that as well. Uh, short stories, flash fiction, narrative poems, anything that's literary and has merit. And you can take and, and you're great at this because that's one of the things that you look at when you're finding a text, I think, is you look to see what is it that I have to teach and which text is going to best help me teach that. And that's really uh, where I get the idea. So that that was that was that. So my examples that I use in the actual uh, that was in my handout was Humpty Dumpty. Uh, what I like about Humpty Dumpty is he never gets fixed. But there's a resolution. The resolution is he never gets fixed and they just have to deal with it. And so because I think sometimes we we let our students think that that a resolution is a solution. Right. I mean, that. But sometimes you just have resolve. And so it's a great way to teach what that word means about having resolve. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to resolve yourself mm -hmm. to the fact that there's not an answer or there's no way to end it. And so sometimes stories just end. And so I like to encourage students to play with the endings a little bit with this idea of resolution. Um, also, the idea of a day not month. So Junkyard Wonders by Patricia Polacco is a great one to teach, like uh, coming back and tying up loose ends, because in her book, picture book, Junkyard Wonders, at the very end, she has a, a day not month, which is the where she has um you know, she goes ahead and tells the whole story, but then in the end, she lets us know how all the characters ended up uh, in their older lives. And so it's just a great way to show students how to play. And, and you know, meanwhile, this is, you know, five years later, this is what's happened, you know, that kind of thing. And of course, you know, I love the outsiders. She, I still remember one of my students this year, he was, a, he he was one that gave me difficulty this last year and he didn't want to do anything, didn't want to read. I saw stupid. Rah, rah, rah. And then we did the outsiders and all of a sudden he started reading. You had a kid like that too. But it was funny because like right out right out of the blue, I mean, just out, you know, we were doing something else and it was like a few months after after uh, the outsiders, he goes, Are we gonna ever read another book just like the outsiders? Because <laughs> oh my gosh, that book is like the best book of Sochoa. I mean, that's the book, you know. And so that's one that is a great one to to teach different things out of. Uh, especially when they do literary illusions, things like that, because um 
in the outsider she uses a lot of literary illusions she uses a lot with gone with the wind she uses of course uh poetry and how you include one genre inside another genre uh with her robert frost type stuff so these are things that i do all summer and day you know you know i love all summer and a day and Mm -hmm. I, i i that word relish comes in and so what does that really mean theme and and uh stuff like that and then of course you can always use like the, you know, look at things from the Lone Star books, stuff like that. There may be some things. I use those a lot of times for leads and endings. So I'll pick some off the shelf at the library shelf and and I will uh, find some different types of leads and different types of endings. And I have the, the students uh, play around with that. And of course, a long way down is where that's a narrative, you know, that's written in narrative. And so it's a poem, right? That's a narrative poem. And uh, but anyway, just messing with the genres and trying to change, you know, kind of blending your genres a little bit. So that's kind of some of the things I, I kind of like to give a list of stuff that I, I use. And so those are a few things that I use just about every year. And I've used them with sixth, seventh and eighth grade, um, ninth grade. When I taught that, I would probably do a few others. But I, I like to use I still use nursery rhymes and stuff. Uh, the thing that I've noticed, though, with our different cultures that we have and our blended diversity that we have in our classrooms now, when I teach something like Humpty Dumpty or if I teach something um, using those nursery rhymes, not all the students know that. So it's kind of interesting to teach that and then ask them to go find some that they can use in their own culture and kind of help them uh, see see those kinds of things. It's kind of fun to do. I like to play around with the with that fairy tales and and stuff like that i'm sorry about that uh so anyway uh i kind of did this one with this i played around with the idea of a teacher's or author's palette because the idea here is to try to activate students and so this is something that i would put in our craft book and this would be different things that you know, that I would do with the students and stuff like, so, I mean, I might have them create a list of stuff that we're doing. So you could do that. This, you know, I don't know how you would use it. How would you use something like this in the, using our craft and draft? So um, what I have, well, I mean, what I have here is I have like revision needs, like things I need to teach revision. And then yep. this is the reading focus and strategy. So maybe it's just for myself, but anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I think, I think it's good to have anything like this because I think, uh, we've talked about this a lot on craft and draft mm-hmm. particularly, but it's the whole idea of the teaching becomes more about teaching the strategy than why the strategy exists. And so I think having a chart like this is, uh, so much, I think, I think it's good for kids to see that, the, if we're wanting to layer thoughts, maybe we need to use the prove it strategy, right? Or adding details mm-hmm. with style. Maybe we need to add framing or coherence and transitions, right? To add these things. Uh, I think it's cool to unveil um, the why behind it, right? I know we taught uh, uh, beers and probes uh, notice and note you know, for years and years and years, I know a lot of teachers Mm -hmm. do, but that stuff is, it's good. But a lot of what happens is people get lost in the strategy. So kids end up putting exclamation points by certain things. They keep doing question marks. They do all this stuff. They're doing it for the grade and for the strategy, but they're not really doing it for reading comprehension. So I think this stuff is good to have in a craft book. 
Okay. Well, that's that's kind of what I thought. But if anything, it's a nice thing for a teacher to keep, um, you know, year to year. I in the in the past, especially when I first got started with workshop, I would I would keep a little, uh, you know, a little chart like this to help me remember what I did. And then I would almost do it like a dialectical notebook. So on one side would be my activities and what I did with it like this. And on the other side would be how, you know, will I use it again? Will I not use it again? And I kind of critiqued how it worked and what I would change. So those are some things. But what I have here is uh, when I actually taught this the first time, I didn't have a PowerPoint uh, or if I did have a PowerPoint, I can't find it, but I had handouts. And so the Secret Life of Bees, uh, that was a, uh, don't know if you want me to go into that, but but that was my mentor text. So that's just like a piece that I presented in the in the workshop. So layering thoughts, uh, prove it's. I don't know if if I think we've gone over prove us before. Do you know what that have I? It's mm. it's in it's in Doctor Carroll's book, A Guide to Writing with Depth, and um, I love this one. The kids love this one. And what it is 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 you write you you start off with a declarative sentence. And uh, you start off with a declarative sentence that might say something. Well, the one that Dr. Carroll has in the book is the witch is ugly. Uh, you could say my brother is mean or you could just any kind of declarative sentence, especially when you're describing somebody. And then you go through and you and you in your mind, you say, OK, if if this person is if the witch is beautiful, if the witch is ugly, then I need to prove it. How do I prove it? And so then you go through and you layer what they look like and you like so you might start off and, and so so that uh start off maybe with the sentence so like in front of the class what i would do there is i would say i would put up a sentence uh my brother is mean and then uh i don't know why i'm saying mean and ugly those are kind of negative aren't they <laughs> am i a negative <laughs> am i kind of being negative now maybe Wednesday. i should say nice i'll do nice i'll do nice my brother is nice okay since I, my brother is nice but he was mean when he was younger, but now he's nice. Uh, but anyway, I have to prove it. My brother is nice. Everywhere he goes, he shares his smile. Um, he always has a laugh. He loves to encourage others. As a matter of fact, he even has a kind of a TikTok account or something uh, that he always gets on and does a, a, a video for other people to encourage them. Uh, and he does that. He goes... And and has a, a mission in Africa, and he goes and helps orphan and orphans in Africa. And he calls me when he feels like I need a little support too. My brother is nice. So see how I started with you know layering. Start off maybe with his physical attributes that show that he's nice, and then I layer it with things, and then how it impacts impacts me. And so in the Secret Life of Bees, she has uh, an actual. Um, I just don't have it in front of me. I mean, I could pull that up. I don't know if it would pull up. Should I try it? Sure, try it. Okay. Can y'all see it? Yeah, no, it just goes you. to the thing. Yeah. So that, I guess maybe I just put that in there. But uh, so, no, I didn't know if it would work or not. Now, how do I go back? Just go back. <laughs> now, I don't no, know what I'm doing. You need to uh... help me. I don't know where I'm at now. See what we do? This is why I don't do stuff like this. <laughs> we had to do a... Uh, how funny. There you go. No, this is but, your... This is the PDF. Oh, is this the PDF? Yeah. 
Oh, well, there you go. Now we're doing it off of a PDF. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I do. So everybody, I'm not professional. Just to let you know that. Look, no, Can go you back make to it full screen. No, go back to Safari at the bottom to the right by your trash yeah. can. Nope, but that you're on the left. There we go. On the right. Oh, is it right here? Uh huh. Oh, yeah, you there need it to is. Click there, but then hit escape. There we go. All right, there we now go. go. Good, thanks. Share. There we All go. right, there we go. We're, We're back. back on. Now, it's not working, but now you know what I did. I think I did that because I sent this whole PowerPoint to that person so he could sure. find the, the thing. And I have, I mean, I don't know. I don't have my handouts in front of me, apparently. Uh, but anyway, but in The Secret Life of Bees on page 98, there's actually a uh, a paragraph there that actually is a proven paragraph. So that would be a good one to show or just find one, uh, you know, in any book that you can find. And it's just that they start with a declarative sentence and then they prove it to be true uh, by layering their thoughts. So this is a great way. And then what you do then is they go back into their own writing and then they have to find a declarative sentence and then they have to prove it to be true. And so now you've taken, you've taken it from the reading, right? Or you can even have them, in their own self-selected passages that they're reading, they can find a prove it. So I send them on a search, see if you can find a prove it, find, see if you can find one faster than your friend, you know, that kind of thing. So you can do stuff like that. And so now they see that they find that paragraph or whatever, and then they, you've shared yours, they've done theirs. Now they create their own. Yeah. And so I like to write one as a class. And so I just do, I do different things with that throughout the, throughout the class period. And then at the end, my work time is for them to actually, you know, create prove it paragraphs in their own writing. So that's kind of what I do. So that's how I use uh, mentor text, uh, adding details with style. Uh, fr uh, you know, framing is another one from that guide to writing with depth. I, I think if I were teaching right, well, obviously I have it, but if, if I was new, I'm telling you, if you really want to teach students how to go deeper into their writing, this Guide to Writing with Depth by Dr. Carroll, I know it was written in 2002, but I'm telling you, it is it is one of the best books when it comes to strategies. And it and it starts off with uh, things like prove it, you know, simple things. And then it, it, it creates... Um, allows the students to go deeper and deeper and, and have create uh, different types of paragraphs and things like that. But then it also goes into how to revise and edit. And then it also talks about how to transition. And then, and so it just goes through, she just goes through the whole process and it has strategies that you can just pull right off the pages and teach. If you don't know what else to do, if you teach exactly the way she has it there with these lessons and you do exactly what it says, your kids will become better. You know, what I do though, when I do that is I just say, okay, this is what she's teaching me to do in the classroom. How do I apply it to the reading and how do I apply it to the writing? And so that's what I do. But this book here, as you can see, I use it a lot, but framing is adding style. And, uh, uh, and so on page 88, the great Gatsby, your favorite, uh, isn't that your favorite? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Really, what is your favorite? I think you mentioned it a lot. <laughs> I do. I I talk about the Great Gatsby for for fans of the show. I do. I talk about Gatsby in the sense that I didn't like it until I was an adult. Um, exactly. <laughs> but my favorite is mm -hmm. Great Expectations. If we're gonna pick, oh, one. there you go. You can find a lot of those. Okay. Yeah, so, but you know, and 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 if you are, hey, actually, this is a way if. Uh, 
you know, they're they're and and I think in in my district, kind of what they were doing there at the end is uh, wanting us to use the textbook more, forcing us to you you know we adopted it, you're going to use it, and you know a lot of people have shied away from using the textbook, but this is a great place. The textbook's a great place to find. Uh, different types of paragraphs, different types of things that this, you know, you don't have to go out and find books, but you can in your textbook already have a resource where you don't have to go like what I did and go buy the secret life of bees and use it or, you know, find the great, you can find it. At, and and one thing about using the textbook and if you're, if your school district has adopted it, right, then you could actually be assured that you're going to be at the level that your district expects and that you're going to, you know, you'll be at the level that most of your students are at. So uh, that's one way that I would use my textbook if I had to do it. I might not read the whole thing, but I would definitely pull stuff out of some of these, uh, sure. you know. So that'd be one way that I would use it. Uh, coherence and transition, I think, is really hard to teach. Uh, I don't know. Do you find it difficult to teach? Maybe you don't. Uh, Where they transition throughout the piece and... And keep it to where it makes sense from thing to thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do. I think the, I mean, I, I like, I do like the chaining idea. Um, I've used it multiple times. But the, uh -huh. and we can talk about that. But I honestly, like for me with coherence and transition, I just try to focus on the major ideas. And I think that so much of them, like focusing on what are you actually trying to say for like at the beginning of the year and going all the way through mm -hmm. and then figuring and really just honing in on that piece first, rather than like, what's a paragraph? Because to me, that's what like, at least at the middle school level, a lot of kids would come and like, because they were creating different paragraphs, they would kind of get off track or you have that one paragraph piece that just kind of rambles throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah. so, and there, there's good things in there, but just teaching like, okay, so what does it mean to go from thought to thought to thought in a logical way? And I think the best way to do it is to use the strategies to let them kind of find their way through stuff, but also just show them great mentor texts that allow them to do that. I mean, it's just re it's really just reading like how mm -hmm. authors really go from idea to idea, but yeah. So right. short answer is yes, it's a challenge, but I don't think it's insurmountable. Right. Exactly. But chaining is one way to do it where you'd like you, the kids will find one idea to the next and make sure. Mm -hmm. So you, you find the idea in one, one sentence and then you find that idea in the next sentence, see how it's tied together, and then you actually yeah. highlight it. I do that with in the actual books where the students can, um, you know, like if they have a text that they can actually work with and they might highlight, use colors and all that kind of stuff to highlight. And then when they change when they change an I into a new idea, then that changes colors. And then you see how, and then I might have them draw a line as to how they're connected or not connected. And then why did you change? And so then when they go through their own piece of writing and they do the same thing where they they highlight a, the main idea of this sentence, connect it, see what's connected to the main idea, see that. And then when it changes, is it a change that needs to happen or is it a change that you just added in there because it's a random sentence? Because yeah. that's what happens a lot of times with new writers. They oh, yeah, by the way, we also went to the park. But when I was at my house, you know, and they go back to wherever they were they were doing with this random thing. Does it really fit? Does it not fit? So I like to use color coding when I do that one. But uh, Drums, Girls, and Dangerous Pie. And, you know, I, I did this a long time ago, so all my stuff is kind of older here. But um, uh, anyway, 
uh, he has a really good chaining uh, page that shows chaining really well and how he goes from one idea to the next to the next, but, you know, connects it all. So it's pretty cool. There you go. All right. So all good stories begin with ideas and ideas are sometimes difficult to come by. So uh, as usual, I always start with finding ideas. Um, so brainstorming is a great way to do that, which, you know, I've, I've taught this before on our, on our podcast, I've mm -hmm. taught it. And so, so I know I'm kind of repeating some things, but here it is names in general. So I just have the kids just come up with names, any kind of name. It doesn't matter. They can blend names, add names. Kids have fun. We kind of, you can kind of turn this into a little bit of a kind of a table competition who can come up with the funniest name or who can come up with a, you know, like as the table decides, you know, share your names. And plus it gets us this idea of sharing in your classroom, because the thing about writing is it's not necessarily an isolated event. I mean, we write so that we can be heard. Well, if we're too afraid to be heard, then why are we writing? So the idea is to get the students to, you know, I mean, we write also to reflect and do stuff yeah. like that. I get that. But but really, truly, we write a lot of times so that we can be heard. And so and, it's you know, it's just a way kids are afraid because also you're very vulnerable when you start sharing. And so something simple like this kind of gets them used to talking with each other. Uh so this is the kind of stuff I might do at the beginning of the year. We talked uh, on our last podcast on how you, what you're going to, if whatever you want them to do on that day, uh, at the beginning of the whole year, like if you want them to write all year, then you need to write on that first day, right? If you want them to read, you need to have them. So you might could in there, have them read and then have them find different character names, you know, and then everybody share the name. So what are some of your names that, you know? and get that to start off that way settings um different fun places dark places sanctuary type places so just you know i kind of give this to them and and uh they might do names first and then we go through and settings on another day or problems or we might do it all in one day just depends on where my kids are um but different problems just kind of getting them to think about because usually that's what makes the story really good is if it's got a really cool problem, not that problems are cool, but, you know, if it's got a problem. Uh, interesting problem. An interesting problem. Thank you. Uh, then, you know, how did that, how did the characters go about doing that? And you're already starting to get the kids to think critically about what's a, what would be a good problem in their story. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I put names in general. Oh, so I just gave you how to do it there. Choose a name. List the characteristics. That's another thing. If you just did names only, you'd have a column, just the names. And then next to the name, you might list some characteristics for that person. And then you might write a little description, a little prove it paragraph as to what they're like, you know, a little descriptive paragraph. Uh, settings, you would choose a setting and then you would describe the setting. And then you might, looking at your problems list, what problem could happen in that setting? Mm -hmm. How can the setting connect to the problem, which a lot of times like in our seventh grade, I know for sure that we have, how does the setting impact the plot, et cetera. So that's a good place to get that started. Yeah. So I like to get the students doing stuff like this at the beginning uh, and just creating their own thing. They're not used to creating their own stuff. They're used to a lot of times, a lot of students are used to just uh, answering questions that the teacher has but this is a great way for them to start creating their own things. And then I use those miniature texts to show how the authors do it. And then we model 
So they get these ideas going and then I say, okay, well, let's see how they're, I don't know what to do with, you know, my problem. Well, let's go look and see what, wait, what are you reading? What kind of problem are they having? How did that author solve that problem? So how did they address it? So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts here? I, I mean, I love all of this. You know, the one thing I want to add on this. Yeah, go ahead. Is the idea of just when you're gen when you're trying to generate these ideas and get kids to generate in general, I think the major thing to do is be like, okay, so what is going to be a catalyst for thinking, right? We talk about this in rightfully empowered as the mini lesson as a catalyst, but putting something in front of kids that can be a catalyst. I think your name stuff works, not because it's simple, but because it's the way you do it. Like I've seen you do this lesson multiple times, Mm -hmm. um, but the way you, encourage kids to just think about words and vocabulary and to, and you, Mm -hmm. you model what it means to like, okay, so this goes to this. Oh, this makes me think of this. And kids like get sucked into your brain that just is like a tornado (laughs) of ideas and connections and stuff. So that, that's your style, right? My style was a lot of, I, I could do stuff like that, but really where my connections happen was, I could find something that I knew was going to connect to them, put it in front of them. And I'm like, boom. And then I get them to react. Right. And that could be a word. It could be a video. It could be a passage. It could be anything. It could be an idea. And that's really where I got the strength of kind of where I went from. So what, like when you're thinking Mm -hmm. of brainstorming for anyone, like going through this process, thinking about this and you're like, my kids just won't write. I can't get them to encourage. I think a lot of it just depends on who you are as a teacher and who your kids are in playing to those strengths, like you said, the, the settings idea is interesting, but if you're putting, if you're reading a story that you yourself don't think is an interesting setting, you're probably not going to be able to model that concept the way you think Mm -hmm. you're going to, right? Like Mm -hmm. you also got to like feed your teacher soul a little bit, put something out there that, you know, you're interested in, uh, because they're going to feed off of that. So that's the only thing I would add to that is just to yeah. use things that you know that you can kind of not pontificate on like a sage on the stage, but really just show that you're interested and you can do that. And that mm-hmm. way, even if they're not 100% bought into whatever you're talking about or what you're doing, they'll hear your thinking, hear that excitement, hear that energy, hear how to yeah. do this. And then when they're reading, they'll go into it on their own. I think that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And, and that is true, but you know, I, but I create my list too in front of them. Like I'll be on the, you know how I do, I I use my chalkboard or my whiteboard. I miss my chalkboard, but anyway, uh, I love the chalkboard, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, uh, I could take care of it. It was so good. It was always looked nice. They said they got rid of it. I'm sad. Anyway, let's go back. So I digress, (laughs) but I would write, you know, I would do this in front of the kids, right? So I would get excited about the names and I would, I would have them start giving me names, you know, I need to add something about, and so that kind of gets them going. So when you're talking about that, so, so yeah, I like, I like, uh, these things, uh, to do. And I like what you're saying as well. And I think there's room for all of that a little bit. So, but that's, I do what you do as well, as far as like getting the, you know, putting something in there to get them to start thinking and stuff like that. Uh, that's pretty cool too so i like what you said yeah let's see here a few starters um i'll use artwork that's this may be from what you're talking about you know using artwork or a picture from your own gallery something like that to Mm -hmm. get the kids to start thinking uh wordless books i've got uh chris uh, harris burdick chris osberg uh that's a 
that is a really good one uh, to use. Uh, and what it is is he's got, I don't know if you're familiar. Are you familiar with Harris Bardic? Not at all. Uh, well, it's a picture book. I used to have it. And I think it's one of these picture books that I loaned out and never got back. So I do that sometimes. But um, if you can get that, it's it's pretty cool. So what it, what it is, is it's a picture and uh, and then there's a caption. So this man here, according to the story is Harris Burdick was a man that dropped a box of story ideas off to a publisher and he was supposed to come back and share, you know, come back to a meeting and he never did. So the guy, Chris Osberg, took all of those pictures and created a book of what he and So and it's a book of the guy's stories it's called the mysteries of Harris Burdick because nobody knows what happened to him, but he's got all these interesting things like uh, a pumpkin, a lady about to carve a pumpkin and it starts to glow. And then there'll be like a, a phrase underneath it. So it's really kind of cool. You don't really know what's going on, going on. It's like a ship that's, um, you know, like you have Venice, right. And you have the canals, but it's a huge ship that's bigger than the, than the actual uh, town itself coming, trying to get through the canal. So, and it's, it's just different kind of things. It's just really fascinating. Sure. So you give that to the kids and then you'd have them, they can look at the picture and then create a story using the picture. What happens next kind of thing. Uh, Tuesday. Are you familiar with uh, Tuesday by David uh, Bisner? Mm -mm. It's a wordless book. And that's the thing about, a great place to start if you're going to use picture books. And and uh, I use these with the older kids, but it really does. I used to use it all, all the time with my sixth graders. So I think it would really work well with, you know, we have a huge audience, I think, of fourth and fifth grade teachers. And so this is a great place to start. And you use wordless books because there's no words there. And so the kids have to provide the words for the pictures that are in the book. And so you give a, a picture. And this one here is... Uh, Things happen at night, you know, like frogs start to fly onto lily pads and they're going through the, they're, they're just, they're like floating through the town and people are thinking they're seeing them, but it's just kind of fascinating. And then at the end it says, could that really be true? Only when, and then it shows, you know, you don't, none of those are words, but it's just, that's, that's what you get when you put the two pictures together and the very last picture itself are pigs flying. You know, this, this would only happen when pigs fly. So it's a great, that's really, that is a, it's a takeoff of, you know, that saying, but it's mm -hmm. just pictures of what would happen if frogs flew like pigs fly. And, and, you know, it's just, they're like doing flips and stuff and people's uh, gardens and stuff like that. So, but it's really a neat thing to get kids to start with fiction and to kind of just do a little fantasy, or you can even have them create their own wordless books. Yeah. But the idea is, is creating stories, right? And you're using these things to do that. Another one, of course, would be lift a sentence. I think uh, you like to, do, I, I'm going to say you like to do this, but um, uh, Linda Reef and her, in her quick writes, doesn't she do something like that where she lifts a sentence? Yeah. That's one of her ideas. I think she calls it borrow a sentence, but same concept. Borrow a sentence. So you just take that sentence and then it's a good starting point. And so I had, Reef, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say like the, there's the, that was the strategy 
for my sixth graders out like always is once mm-hmm. I gave them permission to do that. This is also, we talked about it on the podcast a few episodes ago, show uh, steal like an artist by Austin Cleon, which I think yeah. is, a, is a must read for any writing teacher. Um, but it is, uh, the idea of, you know, you take a line that's great and you go, I know there's one from, uh, one of the most published authors in Rightfully Empowered, uh, Viviana Castro, she used, she loved the Crank series, which is a very, it's a hardcore little series, but um, there were lines in there that she really connected with, and she just created some amazing pieces kind of inspired by the book and inspired by the lines and stuff. But there were so many of my students who had pieces uh, because of that, and I think it's, I think it's a cool way to go, and I've always loved that idea of, of, riffing off of something that's already done right because I, I think it's my music background that's what music is it's like you know i want to mm-hmm. you know you start a band you're like you know i want to be like metallica or i want to be like the red hot chili peppers or you know if you're you know a rapper you know it's like i want to be like whoever drake and you go and but eventually what happens is once you practice and you keep going and going your own voice comes out regardless of what your inspirations are and you can still hear the inspiration you can see the inspiration but it's still yours and i think that we don't allow that enough in writing in education um and i so i i'm a i'm a that's like nine thousand percent that is a strategy that i still love Oh, yeah. And it really does help, especially for the student that's like staring at that blank page. Um, It's so funny. I was watching uh, uh, saying the blank page. Um, It was Everybody Loves Raymond. Did you ever watch that or know about it? Yeah, it's a it's a comedy, but it's so funny. His (laughs) how young do you think I am? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I don't know what you, if you watch it or not. So I just thought I'd say that. But, but anyway, you know that uh, Raymond, he's a writer, correct? He's a, yeah, he's a writer. I was writer. just watching some scenes uh, at the, the other day. You know, I kind of was grazing through uh, YouTube. But anyway, it, what was funny is, yeah, he was a sports writer, but his dad decided he could write. And so his dad was going to write for Reader's Digest. And he's like, the blank page, the blank page. And he was making this big, huge deal about the blank page. It was kind of funny. And how do you fill the blank page? And of course he was filling it with nonsense that turned out to be successful, sure. even though Ray and all them did not like it. Awesome. But anyway, uh, so I just thought when I said that, that was kind of funny, but anyway, the, uh, find a quote that could set up a theme for the story. I think that's a little higher level, but kids could go through and, uh, a piece of writing and see if they could find the actual sentence or you as a teacher could give them that sentence, but something that could, uh, you know, focus on theme a little bit. It's a little higher level as well. I don't know. Let's see what else I have. Just right. So now that you have a few ideas for a story, just right. Uh, so writing takes time and uh, to set aside some time to develop the story. So using model text to help you know how to go about possible beginnings, problems, setups, characters, description, dialogues, and all these other things. Uh, that's that's how you do that. You know, you think about your own writing process and you think, OK, what do I what do I have trouble with? How can I help my students? They may have trouble with that too. Or through conferencing, you find out what your students are having trouble with. And then you go about and, and you see if you can figure out what model text could help me with those things. Uh, but really, truly, sometimes once the kids get started on on writing, their writing just takes off. 
it's kind of fascinating. I, I'm sure you've had this experience because you have all those kids that, that are in your book. But once you get them to start writing, a lot of times, you know, like in this case, the, the character will start writing the story. Like the ideas just get started and they can't. I mean, I've seen them write poems and then they hope write an entire book about whatever that topic is. But the whole book are, are, is a book of poetry that yeah. they created about that topic. So um, anyway, it's just kind of neat to watch kids start getting really excited about the writing. And, and the thing is about workshop and about our draft book is it gives them time to do that part, the writing. I don't know. For sure. what, what do you think? I, I think it's essential whether you are uh, tied to a scripted curriculum, whether you are tied to district mandates, whether you are frustrated because kids are not doing what they should be doing. Time is the only thing that creates writers, really, mm -hmm. um, because you can't become better at something if you don't do it. Uh, mm -hmm. We forget this in English a lot of the times, and I think that writing often gets a short shaft. I think that's why you and I talk about it so much, because yeah, most every conversation is around reading. Um and even in Texas, you know, we have the whole new the the new guidelines that you have to be trained in the science of reading to be a certified educator. Um, and there are and that's great. That's wonderful. But, you know, where where's the certifications in writing? Right. Where's the mm -hmm. where's the focus on that piece? I think it's it's, it's forgotten so often. And I think that's why kids get to high school and teachers still are amazingly frustrated at the levels that kids write at or in middle school, they're just like, why can't you guys write? Like, why is this? And then we go to the five paragraph essay and we go to very rote writing and teachers hate grading this writing because it's boring and kids hate writing because it's boring. And then it just creates this whole cycle. Right. But if you let kids write, if you let kids generate ideas, if you let kids borrow from the stuff that they like, if you let kids collaborate, if you let kids be silly and be serious and go wherever they want to go in the writing and have the time to do so, you're mm -hmm. going to generate writers. You're going to generate writing. Writing begets writing. And I think yeah. it just it's it really does come down to it. It's like, OK, if mm -hmm. you want kids to write, you better have time. And 10 minutes is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about significant time to wrestle with words, thoughts, ideas and the page and see where mm -hmm. it goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's that. I think that's one of the things that I find when I work with teachers that they have the hardest time letting go because they just want to, well, I've, I've saved this, like you said, 10 minutes. I've got I've got my timer out, 10 minutes only. That's all the time I have. And I think it's forced upon us, too, from our, from some of our district mandates that they take up so much time doing all these other things. But you can teach all these other things within the context of the writing and in the context of the reading. And I don't think that is completely understood. Maybe it's because we just haven't had enough uh, maybe training or efficient training in those areas. And that is how to actually uh, blend everything and, and teach within the context of the reading and the writing. Yeah. 
for sure. Let's see what else I have in here. I have no idea anymore. It's been so long. It's been a little while. I think that's it. That's all Ladies I got. And gentlemen, there you go. So here's uh-huh. what we hope you guys do. We hope you listen to this conversation. You jump over to the Craft and Draft side. We're going to put these links. We're going to put this PowerPoint up there so people can click through the links, find all their resources, ask questions. You can also watch us click through it uh, and watch the actual presentation itself. But more importantly, we referenced tons of episodes. We referenced other trainings. Go over there to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash craft and draft or craft and mm-hmm. Click the Patreon link and we'll take you over there. Listener plus tiers have all the training videos we've ever done, including our craft and draft setup system and a bunch of other stuff, even some peppy videos that we've thrown out there, stuff on data, stuff on the first few days of your workshop. So we have tons of stuff there. We're going to keep adding to it. We're going to keep things rolling over there. If you go to the listener tier, you get bonus episodes, bonus content, and so much more, including some swag. We have a lot of people out there with craft and draft stickers these days. So go support us over there at craft and draft. You can have this check us out. If you haven't, if you're new here, subscribe to the podcast. We release an episode every single week. I was about to say every single Friday, but honestly, we've been dropping them on Saturdays, but it doesn't really matter. We're getting them to you regardless because we're adjusting to all of our schedules. It's summer. We're still putting stuff out there, but things are crazy. I'm an assistant principal. Ocho is living her best life, creating these trainings for people, building up, her repertoire and everything Maybe. else. Thank you, Ochoa, for guiding the ship today. Any last words for our listeners? I don't know. I just think that don't, I don't know. I just feel like right now there's a lot of pressure for, for teachers uh, all the way around. And, and I just say really get in that classroom and let those kids read and write and just enjoy it. Enjoy the time you get and try to steal as much time as you can and let them do those things. Because to me, that was where the joy was. The joy, uh, as far as like help in the classroom was when these kids, all of a sudden an idea would pop off and they would just go, oh my gosh, Ms. Ocho, you remember when we did that? This is what I've done with it. And they get all excited uh, when they start creating. And I just found that the things that I shared today, those are some things that are my fall, you know, I I fall back on those a lot and uh, I haven't been steered wrong at all on those. So, and of course your ideas as well. Um, I think it would be a good start for the year or if you do a fiction unit or any unit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Pamela Trump, Jacob Chastain. And know that we are here for you.